What up, it's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Matt Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka PC Twitter, aka Fawai Willie, coming at you with this week's episode of We Should Do This Again Sometimes. This is the 51st episode in our series. We bring back Eric Greenlee, aka Handsome Bane. He comes through and we talk about some Miyazaki films. We cover Porco Rosso, we cover Kiki's Livery Service. And we also cover Princess Mononoke. It was a fun conversation. We are going to be having a 90s theme for March. So majority of the movies we're going to be watching are going to be from the 1990s. And we hope you enjoy. Peace. So I think watching Kiki's as an adult who has now like I haven't really been able to write much well in the last eight months, maybe I just it's not happening for me. And watching a movie about even if it's something you love, even if it's something you're good at, even if it's what you think you're meant to do, there are going to be times where you just can't. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a thing will come along in your life that will make you able to do that again. Or it will just come back on its own. Or it won't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Kiki is kind of... The way it's set up, it's like, all right, you're... Uh, I forget how old she is. 13. But, you know, 13. You're 13. You're of a certain age. Get out. Get, get up. Get out. Get something. And then, like, in the middle of that grind of, you know, making deliveries and that sort of thing, it's like you lose that that creative part of you. Like, I think that's exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying like, to get across, like... It, it makes me now as an adult, like the reason she can't fly is because she had to miss out on something she was excited about because of what she loved and what she was meant to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that conflict between like, oh, I was like supposed to go to a party and do this thing that I was excited about, but I had to not because I love flying and I'm good at it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that didn't make me happy. Maybe yeah. I don't love this. Or do I deserve this or whatever? I think my favorite part of Kiki's delivery service is even at the end when I feel like, you know, her purpose, she gets fulfillment, not only obviously with like her being a witch and kind of growing into that role, but I think she really did find purpose in serving others. But, you know, when she kind of, really got down on herself and really questioned everything and the ability was getting lost. And then toward the end, we do see that she ultimately does make the decision to serve and it does ultimately benefit her and the people around her. I feel like a part of me, when I watched it, it kind of just, it kind of ended and it didn't necessarily feel like resolution. It just feel like she worked through her problems mm-hmm. and I, and I felt it felt, that I thought about it more and that felt like really authentic to real life. It's like that's Miyazaki, man. Like mm-hmm. you're not gonna have like a lot of just like dialogue or like monologue of mm-hmm. I learned I went through this and exactly. so I learned this. Like motherfuckers just be going and rolling, bro. Like if you hit that skit 
and you kind of rebound from it. Like, hopefully you can rebound from it, but it's just one of those things where life just keeps going, and I really appreciate it about this movie. Bro, you podding right now, bro. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it is because that's just kind of like a, a common theme that I love in Miyazaki films anyways, because it, it has that realism and that slice of life with like a little sprinkle of the mystical and magical sometimes, or not. And the thing about Miyazaki is that he just wants to tell you a story. It doesn't have to be this big grandiose thing that, you know, it doesn't have to be this big crazy twist at the end or in the middle or whatever. Shit happens real heavy in the beginning of a lot of Miyazaki films. And then it's like, you know, in a lot of movies, it's like, shit, well, how do we get things back to normal? And in Miyazaki (laughs) films, it's like, well... You know, I'm a 70-year-old woman now when I was a 17-year-old girl yesterday. How the fuck do I deal? You know what I'm saying? So the movie is like, how do I adjust? And Miyazaki doesn't insist on himself like a lot of uh, a lot of other directors, you know, big-ass directors who, like, have a big budget or whatever. It's like, well, this is going to be this. It's like, no, I just want to tell you a story. I want to make it beautiful. I want to get the fuck out of the way. I also think that he... From what I've read about working with him, he is very much a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Shit, and, you can tell. <laughs> yeah. And he is not at all like a lot of the characters who advocate for take time to reflect and and grow and that will help your process. He is very he, – he wants to go, 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 so hopefully he doesn't have to someday, I think. Although he's trying he's, to retire so many times. Right, but he can't because I really do think that he is burdened with this genius, this ability, this whatever. And like he he will not be able to rest until it is out of him. Mm-hmm. So in, in a lot of ways, I think that he he is trying to tell stories of a balance or a relationship with, with life that he wishes he could have. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I... I realized watching Mononoke that I don't like a lot of his movies where things like his big movies as mm-hmm. much. I acknowledge that Mononoke is for sure a masterpiece, but it I is. did not. It's not my favorite either. A lot of people love it. And it's like because it's close bitch. to regular anime. I like it. Oh, I like it a lot. But oh. I just didn't connect with it in the same mm-hmm. way that I connected with Kiki's or Totoro or even like. Spirited Away, I feel like at least I connect with Chihiro a little bit Mm. more. Because, yes, the story is big and huge and sweeping, but it's really her. It's about her. It's about her. She's she's playing, like, a very small part in it all. Like, she's cleaning up after, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this big, grandiose story. And it's like we're following her. We're not following fucking weirdo face you know what i mean like right. would probably and, be a big different story and i feel like mononoke is about too much mm-hmm. compared to his other movies yeah. and that's not a bad thing i do think it's a really good story i think it's a good narrative i just i was like an hour and a half in and i was like is it over yet it does and, feel very long it does feel kind of like a slog after a while and like kiki and Porco Rosso as well, but Kiki especially, feels like a European vacation.
Mm-hmm. You're going through these like pseudo Italy French Riviera style streets with these beautiful flowers, and sometimes there's cats and like just mm-hmm. nice people and little shops and children, and e- even when it's depressing. <laughs> able to find joy in the bakery she's able to find inspiration in other things in other places i wanted just not in, in her bakery. purpose yeah as someone who's not eating uh yeast right now it was it was a very uh touching scene seeing all the bread being baked yeah i'm really glad and, we didn't watch uh howl's moving castle though because the food boy, in that boy. movie is, is or spirited warm. away for that matter yeah, Ugh. it's when we, when we talk anime food, like you know that that meme of how great anime food looks. It's like they're eighty percent of it is Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Um, Have you guys ever heard of? Uh, I think it's Food Wars. That anime. Listen, man, yes, that shit is ridiculous. <laughs> so my boys love it. I was try- I was about to watch it, and uh, I think my my daughters were within an earshot, and then the nah, first scene, they can't. the first scene. The girl has an orgasm from <laughs> eating food, and I had to turn it off because I'm like, all right, man, damn it, yeah, come on, bro, come that on. shit was nuts. Horny. I, I didn't even, I didn't even get through the first season. It was so wild. It's like, supposed I, to be great. I liked it though. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny as hell. It's supposed to be really good. Like I have Kiki on on mute right now, and I'm just like, it is just good getting, to look at. She's getting ready to say goodbye to her dad, and like. I don't even have subtitles on because I don't really need to know what they're saying because just looking at them, you know, I know what they're saying. Fucking he's know. a little he's a little sad that she doesn't she's not they're not going camping like mm-hmm. they said, but he's also really proud of her because she's growing up, you know, and it's this is all done through lines on paper. Yeah. I'm... And it's I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm getting, I'm, I'm touched by you talking about it because I've, when we talk about, you know, the perfectionist in Miyazaki, it's like it all comes across, it all yeah. comes across, and it's like, no, draw this over, okay, we're doing this again, we're doing this again, and it's like, all right, it's done, but man, just the, the change in, in, in Kiki's and, you know, um, she meets the other witch in the air, and it's like, you know, she's kind of a prick and. But that's really like it's very again, people are treated not as like villains or heroes, but just people with different motivations. Yeah. And I really love that in those kinds of films. Like even you know, like in a in a howls, it's like Maybe you that's know, my problem with Mononoke though, is I feel like that's the one where they're like, This is the villain. It's the outlier. I do feel like Mononoke mm-hmm. is the outlier for all these movies. I'm, again, like, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I didn't connect with it in the same way that I connect mm-hmm. with the other Ghibli oh, 100%. films. And I'm um, trying to figure out what that where that is or where that lives. Mononoke was my favorite of the three. No, I get it. There are a lot of people like, who, it's, who love Mononoke. And I, well, I love Mononoke, but as, as far as like, if, you know what I'm saying? It's just like uh, Vera says in uh, Harlem Nights. You got to do something about them eyes, Benny. You got my mouth all ready for hash and eggs and you ain't got no hash. 
You can't keep fucking with me that way. Bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. Like, you got my mama, you got my mouth ready for some spirit of the way, and all you got to hear is some goddamn Princess Mononoke. It's like... It's the pivot, yo. It is a big-ass yeah, pivot. It's such I'm a not, hard pivot, yeah. Cause, cause I'm I also not gonna thought lie, the voice you know, acting in that one was the worst. It was well, it was rough. It was especially yeah. San. I feel like I was like, girl, hey, come I, on, man. you can <laughs> act. I know you're Gillian Anderson. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and instead, it, I you thought know Jada what? Pinkett okay. Smith was kind of rough too. But have I you ever seen? Oh, well, yeah, especially because she like I don't know. She for sure put on a little bit of a strong. Well, maybe we should revisit that when we get there. But um, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I think that Kiki's has amazing voice acting. And one thing that I will say I'm really grateful for on the HBO streaming and also on like subsequent home releases, when they first released them, uh, they added a bunch of Phil Hartman lines. There it is. Yeah. Like a ton. Shout out to the second comer. Second. Two sec- listen, listen. Second to his tour de force performance in Jingle All the Way. Tour this- de force. Tour de Force performance in Jingle All the Way. Took off my this ass. I don't want to hear this. Is a very close second. Alright. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Mmm, cookies. Mmm. <laughs> Eric, I'm gonna fuck with you. Hold on, hold on. Hey, cat. Put that cookie Put down. Put that cookie down. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do it too. I wanted to do it too. I wanted to do it too. You just laughed so hard you disappeared from mortal being for a second. Hey, man. You leaned yeah. back while laughing, and it was just, go to horny jail, bonk, and you were gone. Hey, man. Yo, everybody got to get bonked. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler, well, Mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, The Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki, aka The Shredder. And we put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes sports and entertainment news stay all the way and hear who Saki is named as his Cretan of the week and find something valuable in the shred commendations so we'll see you on apple stitcher spotify or wherever your pods are casts the shredhead pod is a member of the hyphen podcast group yeah phil hartman was like well for one i'm a big phil hartman mark anyway i was actually devastated when he when he was murdered so sad bro i was a kid and i heard it on the radio on my way to school and i was bummed for the rest of the day but i was glad like like cat was saying i was very glad to just hear more phil hartman he's his voice is just calming as hell just because he how he always played the straight man on snl and yeah so much like i do I think they edited a lot of his jokes out in the subsequent re-releases. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And I think it really made the film flow better, but they still kept a lot of the good ones. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. But a lot of how Disney dubbed them and released them is questionable, I would say. Well, uh, Disney otherwise. Well, 
<laughs> yes and no, right? Because they did Kiki's, and I think Kiki's is excellent. Porco Rosso, the voice acting in that one, I was shooketh. I the love Lord Michael Eden. Keaton in that. Michael I Keaton. Got trash from all over the Mediterranean. Gangsters, smugglers, gamblers, maybe a handful of respectable people. When you're offered an opportunity to play a pig who's an airplane flying ace, how do you not do that? I mean, you just got to do that, I think, don't you? But he's like a Bogart-type character, kind of cynical, kind of tough guy. Or maybe I'm dead and life as a pig is the same thing as hell. When I watched it, I thought, this is so kind of fun and cool. I'd be careful if you plan on making a deal. It's just a little offbeat from what I think we're used to. My dad and I watched that together, and I went, Dad, that's Michael Keaton. And he just goes, oh, no shit. He, he, I, man, he smoked that shit, bro. Like, I, he, yes. I think, I like, never, both, yeah. both my dad and I were like, no, that's just the Italian pig man, obviously. Like, we had, like, <laughs> right. he did such a good job with it that, like, the idea that it was someone doing that. Right. The first time I thought, the first time I listened, I was like, because I always try to guess the voices, and I thought it was George Clooney. Cause he was so similar vibe, smooth. honestly. Yeah. Similar. Uh, he was just so damn small. Like, damn, George Clooney is cooking. And then he, I looked up, I was like, no, Michael Keaton. Son of he, a bitch. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it more, and I actually, I think Porco Rosso may be my favorite of the three. It's up there for me, Because it's, it's just fun. It's really fucking it's fun. It's so fucking cool, man. Like, every, like, nobody's trying too hard, but everybody's just a hundred, man. Like... You know, if I totally thought of you in the beginning when the pirates like kidnapped those kids, and the kids like did not give a fuck about their authority. I, I have that written down. Uh, the students in Porco Rosso, Rosso are in less danger than Mei Kusakabe when she was lost. It's, They're sinking. <laughs> it's like dog. Like they didn't give one fuck. And that's what I was saying about the like you know villains receive more like empathy. Like they're just like. You know, they're just trying to make ends meet, bro. Like, we don't want to hurt these kids. We just trying to, man, we just trying to rob. We get the jewels. And he's like, yo, you can take enough money to, to pay for your shit. And he's like, hey, that's fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, basically. Also, the gunner in that who had the kids who were, you know, were like, oh, you're missing. If you, you know, familiar ear was voiced by the same guy who was Goldar. Holy shit. And he sounds what like Goldar. I was like, wait a minute. Is that, is that Goldar? Well, sure you know what yeah. I screamed when I figured out the the Texan is voiced by Carrie Elwes. Yes. Yeah. Like Wesley from The Princess Bride. First he did of a all, damn good job. Yeah. Bro. He I was him. like, excuse me. Yeah, and there's people just not sounding like they're On regular. On my voice. island, like what? So just to kind of wrap up with with Kiki's though, like I think honestly it has one of the the best collections of vocal performances i've ever seen in an animated movie period i and, think yeah i and agree like, and I'll, i'm not you know the guy to be like yeah but get a bunch of celebrities in there you know me neither but like yeah. i'll fight about it like mm-hmm. i think that kirsten dunst is just so perfect killed it killed it Gigi, wake up tonight's the night Mom, it's the perfect midnight for me to leave home. And I heard on the radio that tonight there'll be a big full moon. Every midnight that a witch turns 13, she goes out into the world to train for a year. And it's kind of about, you know, how she copes with becoming a witch and finding herself. Where are we going? I'm headed south to see the ocean. 
Well, Kiki's like a little bubbly kind of witch. You okay back there? Fine. She doesn't really know a lot about the world, but she experiences it. You know, she learns more and more. Look at this city. A place like this would be great to live in. But there may be some witches living here already. And she has the cutest little facial expressions, like when I'm doing my lines and I'm watching the screen. So it's easy for me to, like, work with them. I love the contrast of her her dreamy little, like, lilt, and then Phil Hartman being like, Kiki! Hey, Kiki! Like, and like it was it's... a different Phil Hartman. Kind of, you, know, you know, usually you get a Phil Hartman and that's fucking the velour fog. It's just, like, him doing too much in, like, The Simpsons and Futurama, but, like... Yeah, this was just like, he's Phil Hartman is my friend. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's so good. My cat friend, Phil Hartman, my cat obviously. Friend, Phil Hartman, who's, and then, and then when he fucking meows, it was like, wait, no. Like, I, I was literally like, no, 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 no. Like, I said that first, my first watch through of Kiki's ever it was like, the fuck you mean, meow? No, 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 no. It's like, ah, shit, her magic, bro. Like, yeah, was, that that part hurt. It, it hurt because you and knew what was going on. That so at small. the end, at the end, he still can't talk to her. <sighs> I think it's because he he found cat love. Yeah, yeah, he's he's getting some tail and uh. Hey. Some um, is anyone gonna say it? What he got? No. A hush falls over the crowd. <laughs> Go to horny jail. Cat, oh, I am the warden of horny jail. <laughs> but before we get off Kiki's, one of the last things I want to talk about, we talked a little bit about the subtlety of these movies. And a young Sean Matt Love definitely identified with this one particular scene in, in this movie. It was a scene when uh, she was on the beach uh, with the with the little boy toy, and then his friends come over and like they're like all commiserating, and then he likes he invites her over to kind of join them, and she's like it feels like like she's so shy, but then also just so down on herself that she doesn't even want to welcome like the attention of new people. Like she it just yeah. felt like she couldn't handle it, and uh, introvert Sean Mad Love could definitely appreciate how hard like that kind of scene like will resonate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm an unrepentant Tombo stan because like he tries so hard because he just thinks she is so cool. That's and t- Ghibli boys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just the worst like, of all the Ghibli boys is better than the best Disney boy. Like hilarious. But I, I mean, also just like I love how much he loves aviation. Like yeah. he he is <laughs> such a rounded character even mm-hmm. though he's like really a i would say like the fourth fifth most important character w- one real last question so did he do so did he do more to help kiki fly than chris pine did for diana <laughs> 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 hell yeah no uh, question. wow <laughs> No I mean, listen, Woo. listen, Chris Pine uh, was hot and uh, in another man's body, which they then used for sex. Um, and that's fine. It's fine. The other guy wasn't there to consent, but it's fine. Um, isn't it romantic? It's fine. Um, and then he gave that really nice speech that was the same speech from the other one. Uh, and and 
uh, um, uh, and then he died again. Uh, yeah, I mean, vision. in fairness, like she, she only starts to fly again because she thinks Tombo's gonna die. Oh yeah. So maybe by maybe dramatic man death is I the only way. Is she. You know the only way to further women's characters oh. <laughs> is sexual uh. sexual harassment and dramatic dramatic near death of the only man who's been nice to them. Some guys gotta take what they can get. I also like though that Tombo, like she tells him to go away a lot, mm-hmm. even though they're friends, and he always like comes back. Like he doesn't really hold it against her. Yeah. She said not today. That means not today, but that doesn't mean not tomorrow. I'll check on her again. Like just, it's like the friends in Winnie the Pooh who always invite Eeyore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just it's like Tombo. I love Tombo because he just genuinely likes her. There's yeah. no, you know, uh, it. I mean, yeah, he falls kind of hard, kind of quick, but he did fall. It wasn't like I also it's feel genuine. Like- that's him about everything, though. Mm-hmm. He's really excited about aviation. He's really excited about Kiki. He's really excited about this bread that he just got. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's got a lot of energy. They used to make these mangas of uh, Totoro and Kiki's delivery service and everything else, and uh, they are all just stills, like they're single cells from the animation, yeah. with little captions along the bottom. And that was like my first exposure. Really, to Ghibli, I I read the Kiki's Delivery Service book first, and it's so weird because they look so much like storybook illustrations that are alive. Yeah, yeah, I have the nice. Totoro book, and I thought it, I thought the Totoro book was just gonna be like a picture book for Jordan. I got it for her birthday. I remember. And no, it just tells the story. It's like no, this is you know a, a bridge to Totoro and. Even then, it's like they're in front of the fucking tree, and I uh, just trying to read it to her, and I just kind of lose it a little bit, and uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's just something about that shit, man. People respecting nature, and I guess that's part of the reason that Mononoke kind of pissed me off a little bit. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout-out to B-Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the Rasselcast Power Hour, and it's available everywhere, podcasts or streams. So everybody, check them out. You know The Godfather will, and it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the Ho! Smelly or later, sweaty marks. <laughs> well, we keep coming to it, so let's let's actually get into Mononoke. So I think I definitely I would say I liked it more than you two, but kind of sticking on the same point Eric you were making, kind of about how is that movie was basically like the battle between man and nature and how Yeah, it was kinda ham fisted, bro. Oh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like humans are gonna kill nature. Yeah, like, <laughs> literally find the physical embodiment of nature and blow its fucking head off. Basically, for no reason. Just because, bro. <laughs> like, bread. we need these minerals, bro. bro. It's we like, need dog, these ores. 
Like, do what do we need to? Like, it's it's right there. It's like it's living fucking nature, bro. Like, all right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Let's fucking kill it. (laughs) (laughs) The Godhead, the Godhead, I need that for my IG. So let's get it over here. I also think that I exist in this this weird uh, area where my entire life growing up, I was told that this is the best movie ever and I wouldn't be a, a real anime fan until I like saw and worshipped at the altar of Princess Mononoke. <laughs> I like it. And now like as it. a a 23-year-old woman who only watched it because I knew we were doing this podcast and knew I would never watch it of my own volition after having it like being told like, "Oh, it's the best thing ever. If you don't like it, like you're an idiot." I'm like, "I don't like it." And like, whatever. Um <laughs> like fully prepared to fight about it because it's beautiful. It's a masterpiece. The ideas are good. It is just, I felt like I got hit in the head with a chair about eight times. Mm -hmm. Like, do you get it? Do you get it yet? Stop littering, asshole. Like, man, (laughs) turn your lights off, dick. Man just wants to kill God, cat. That's all we want to do. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I fully acknowledge that. Uh, I've been a person in a space before, uh, but I do think that making that interesting or unique and not just like, and in other news, uh, man wants to kill God would have been a little bit valuable. Part 50, man wants to kill God, part 50. But I will concede, I will concede I did break it up so I watched one hour, and then I watched that dreadful Super Bowl, and then I watched the last hour. So I, I understand you guys when you say it it definitely was a bit too long. And I raw-dogged it. Oh. <laughs> I did too. And I also think that, and I think this is a dub issue, like maybe it would have been fine in the sub, but a lot of the voice acting in this one just did not do it for me. It didn't land, no. Uh, like, I thought Minnie Driver was really good. I thought I uh, Billy That's Bob it, Thornton though. was all right. Uh, yeah, I don't know what was going on with like Jada Pinkett Smith's like. All right, she saw now it. y'all get over there. Uh, she was just oh, she saw the mad black at the end, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I, I, I feel like she really kinda... put it on because yeah. they were like, oh, it's what that came out in the '90s, right? It's like yeah, I feel like it was oh, right around that time of when folks were kind of understanding what anime was at that point in time, and then like it, it could definitely use a redub. Um, but it yeah, like, I just feel oh, like there's another strong woman in this movie. Why do we have to make one of them like the weird like nag? Like it it doesn't jive at all with what the character is doing. I like it's so. It I don't take, know who directed it does, that. It did it's, take me out of that, and I, again, I, I I will just chalk it up to them not understanding exactly what the job was because you know. Had it been somebody, you know, a better casting director, even now, or, uh, you know, what, uh, maybe like 04, I think they really started doing the dubs over. And I think it was just really a misunderstanding of what it was supposed to be. You know, like maybe it was the directing, maybe it was something, but like the voices were really kind of taking me out. And these were familiar voices. Like I liked what Billy Bob was doing, but kind of not, I didn't, I don't think I liked how he was doing it. Yeah. It was yeah. something, it was a disconnect there. Mini Driver nailed it. Uh, She's really the only one who I feel like yeah. got out. Like, 
And maybe the guy who played Ashitaka. Ashitaka, yeah, Ashitaka but I'll be, did a... I'll be honest, I found Ashitaka incredibly boring and hard to identify with. And I understand that he was meant to be, like, the audience avatar character, so he yeah. couldn't have too many personality traits, or else, like, you wouldn't yeah. be able to. But, like, listen. No, we're on the same page. I have not fought on nature. Like, listen, Kiki doesn't have a huge personality, and, like, when she's depressed, I vibe with that, because I've been depressed before. I understand how difficult it is to be creative <laughs> sometimes, and also, she has some personality traits that I can invest in, Right. Ashitaka, yeah. I have not been cursed by a demon boar and challenged to fight a god. That is yeah. not a relatable experience for me at all. And so that, I'm not even invested fine. in him as a character. And now I'm expected to invest in this premise that, frankly, I find a little confusing and kind of boring. I think it may have been just easier to, back then to just kind of... We have a male protagonist. You've obviously committed at least two hours to a movie just buy in so that my, that may have been it i think my thing with ashitaka i kind of have to plug in say like a a chrono or a, a link from legend of zelda or like that kind yeah. of you know kind of silent protagonist that kind of just nods and goes out and handles business because his actions are dope like you know what i'm saying like he doesn't have a yeah. lot to say he doesn't you know raise his voice a lot but like he always chooses to do the right shit you know what i mean he chooses to be like hey at any point in time motherfucker can scrap he only kills like a couple times when like people just won't let up and it's just like dude i have to get over here kill and yeah. he also kind of has a demon arm that's like forcing him to do shit ashitaka to me again and, and, and I'll, I'll rank him pretty high in the ghibli boys as far as like choosing to do the right thing and like having the right attitude about things but he kind of has to have that poker face to like not be too passionate one way or the other so i kind of yeah i definitely feel like i get why he is the way he is i don't know maybe if when he spoke it just felt like you know oh shit you know something happened when he speaks versus like you know all right i guess i'm gonna be cursed with this arm forever you know it's just like <laughs> you yeah. know it's just like and i don't know for me like i don't know if for just me as like an somebody in the audience it was like i kind of would rather and again this is about the whole ghibli's swag of like damn something bad happened to me guess i'll learn how to live with it until i die versus damn i gotta go change that which is like so cliche of everything else that we have in these kind of features so when you know he's in there with the elders or whatever and they're like dude you you know you got the you got the cursed arm dog you'll die so i guess you kind of have to ride it out i was ready to ride it out with him and it yeah. was just like Oh no! I guess I'll go in here and get it fixed. It was like, oh, all right, because he's like a—he so, really came off as a kid that it, he didn't even necessarily even like fighting. He did mm -hmm. it because it was just his duty. Yeah, like, I there didn't was even no get, Can I be honest? I didn't even really get the sense he liked living that much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, we mm -hmm. all agree. I'll be honest. I really struggle with the Legend of Zelda games too because I don't care. I don't make me care yeah. about you. Like, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the puzzles. I like the gameplay dynamics. Some of the aesthetics are nice, but I really struggle with games I don't care about. Yeah, I mean, to just kind of bring it back to Ashitaka, I mean, you know, he's not exactly the most charismatic character, yeah. you know, ever. But I still love him because, again, he makes the right decisions. Like, let me do, you know, I'm on a, he's on a mission, you know, he's on a mission. 
He yeah. can't be one way or the other too much. He has to kind of play the middle. He has to literally get in between nature and industry to, you know, kind of walk that really narrow path of, you know, trying to make peace between the two. You know, because he's not like, you know, y'all got to go home and you got you and your wolves got to stop killing these. Moments. No, he's just like, dude, like we have to come to the table. Like we have to have an agreement. Y'all got to chill or yeah. else we're all going to die. So, you know, it's not an it's not a glamorous job. <laughs> and so it's like you don't get the most glamorous slick talking guy, you know? Yeah. But like, get get me something. Yeah. Cap, kind of thinking about your favorite heroes and any of the video games or stories or anything like that. Mm-hmm. What do you and thinking kind of like the, the those male heroes? What, what kind of traits draw you to those type of characters? So that really depends, right? Because like the first one that came to mind, of course, is I'm sorry, Internet, Harry Potter. Does because Internet I, not like Harry Potter? <laughs> well, they don't like J.K. Rowling. They don't like J.K. Um, Rowling. Oh well, yeah. And unfortunately, he's a spawn of hers. The thing that I like about Harry Potter is that he has problems that aren't just Voldemort. Yeah. He has a temper. He gets angry. He is kind of has a really mean sense of humor in the first two books until he kind of grows up and cools off a little bit. He is kind of quick to judge people, but that also mellows out as he gets older. Like, there's a lot about him that grows and changes over the... Obviously, I get that it's a seven-book narrative, so, like, whatever. But, like, even in the first movie, right, when it starts, he's very skittish and very scared and very kind of brittle. Like, he's got a quick temper and is kind of nasty and doesn't want to open up to people right away and thinks Hermione's kind of a bitch and whatever. And, like, he learns to appreciate other people's skills. He also has to fight Voldemort, but that's not all he's fighting. It's yeah. not just about the big villain. And that's what I like about Grand Budapest Hotel as well. Zero is not just, he's not just dealing with Jopling and the people who are trying to kill him. He's also dealing with how to be a bellhop for this, or a lobby boy, not even a bellhop, for this really wonderful hotel. And he's trying to deal with the trauma of his parents being murdered in the war and being a refugee. I don't know that there's one specific thing, but I think a hero's journey should be about more than just the villains they're fighting. No, I I get that. I think me and Eric, we just kind of, we, we really did grow up in an era where our heroes weren't necessarily complicated. Like even you think of (laughs) like either people being so drawn to doing the right thing that they're overly like do-gooders or they're so like scarred by this one event, you know, that they they think that they have to do good because they like traumatized by that one thing. Yeah. And for this movie, like our hero in this movie, he's just he's just a kid that knows the right thing to do, even if he doesn't necessarily want to do it. He he does that right thing. And so for me, like I didn't necessarily want more from him, like. I didn't necessarily even need like more kind of complex emotions beyond that because I can kind of can recognize who that person is. Like in the people that I grew up with, like people who have, you know, done like sacrifice for their families and for their friends, but you know, they're, they're not really, they, at least on the surface, they don't pose like they are trying to do anything more than that. Like they just know the right thing to do. They get up every day and they go to work and they just do it. And Mm -hmm. That, that's kind of it. Can you just tell me, like, 
one thing about him, like his personality, like who, who, like demon arm doesn't want to do wrong things. That's a good alignment. I like the alignment of, mm-hmm. I got to do the next right thing. And like, whatever, like sometimes it's annoying. I don't want to have to go back into the woods to save this. I mean, they fucking shoot weird ass in the back. deer face. <laughs> just like. He I walked mean, it off, bro. And he walked it <laughs> right. off. And that was the only <laughs> time when I was dog. like, are we going to learn something about him? I just felt like I couldn't invest in him at all. And it's no. clear that we were supposed to find his relationship with San compelling. And, like, I guess I did. But, like, at the end when she's like, I can't, like, be a human. And he's like, I'll come visit you. I'm like, neat. I was like, okay, cool. So uh, you're saying you'll come visit and you'll go see him sometimes. Cool. Which means we must be getting to the end now. Like, that's what it was to me. At a certain point, it became a countdown of checkboxes to get to the credits. um, Maybe it's because this movie has been pushed to me for so long. I think that has a whole lot to do with it. And again, like, the voices aren't great. Like, they're not, you know, stellar. So I think... For me, the voices took me out. I like what Ashitaka does. And and so, again, yeah. it's more about, you know, about actions speaking louder than his words. And thank God, because the voice actors aren't grand. Also, again, I think I'm going back to, to Mark Robb's point of us coming back, coming from a time where protagonists just punch the problem first. You know, so it's like, Basically. it's great where, you know, nowadays we can have the Steven universes who will be like, Hey, wait, let's talk. I want to get to understand what the fuck, why you're tearing shit up and get you to the point where you stop tearing shit up without a punch having to be thrown, you know, which is just, I mean, a stellar example of character of of character and anything ever. If you want a master (laughs) class on how to make a protagonist, uh, wonderful look no further than Steven universe. But we also come from a time where fucking Kinshiro of Fist of the North Star said, you're already dead every episode at least two or three times. So it was like that or this with Anashitaka, especially at that point in time, I think they were kind of figuring it out. And he was way different from any of those guys back then. They just punched the problem first and didn't try to say, hey, guys, look. We've been doing this with guns and knives and swords and 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 fists and and boars and everything else. How about we not? I think right about here is good. This is me, your favorite producer, Uncensored Mike, and I'd like to tell you guys about my new show, The Soapbox on Isla Pal. It has me, it has my friends, and it has your favorite people who you don't even know yet. Come listen to us and meet some new folks. That's it. Right, so pigs. I'm ready to talk about a good movie now. <laughs> All right. So I actually I have this on in the background and it's every bit as beautiful as I remember it. It's like so this. It's so fucking great. 
Yeah, um, man. It's parts like just the landscapes in a lot of the movies. Um, the Wind Rises, yeah. this one, Kiki's, um, uh, Spirited Away. They all have like so like super beautiful like just landscapes to where you just want to be there. And like yeah. it is that European vacation of like you know just they do countryside so well. Yeah. Um, and you know uh, from from Marco's grotto to just you know like the him flying out when they you know when he's being chased by the fucking government. <laughs> he <sighs> You know, just that scene where he flies over, you know, those hills and you know, the, the 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 water and all. It's just like, God, this is breathtaking. And somebody drew this. God bless them. Um, I had like, I guess, heard that this movie was like, oh, you have you like underrated? I had heard <laughs> that it was kind of underrated. No. I for sure underestimated how underrated it is. Mm-hmm. This movie. This movie fucks. Like this movie yeah. is so yes. it totally like does. wow. And this is another one where the voice cast just was like fuck. Like they Ooh, flawless delivery. Like everything I felt was just like Yeah. Oh. The girl in this. Oh yeah. Might be my favorite Ghibli girl. Love her. Oh shit. Good death. Just there, don't take no shit. But there's also something very magical about a confident girl. I feel like we haven't had a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not only is she confident, she knows her shit, and she's willing to, like, bet her her life on her shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, that belief in in Marco almost as a big brother figure, that, Mm -hmm. like... Big brother E love is really what breaks the spell, not the idea that the woman loves him mm-hmm. as much as like this young girl can see the good here. Yeah, because he's he's constantly trying to shit on himself and downplay everything. And it's like, you know, apparently there's been a curse, which they don't spend a whole lot of time on telling you how we got there. Except it's the cur- it's not a curse. It's his own self-perception yeah. that he didn't deserve to live. Mm-hmm. through what he watched his his brothers in flight go through yeah and there's just uh, so oh my god that's oh, it's man. it's about him realizing that it's not about whether or not he deserves to live it's that he is living and mm-hmm. should probably just like do that yeah i it, it gets yeah. to that that's that motif that familiar miyazaki motif of all right, I'm a pig now. What? I guess I'll go and live life as a pig. I guess I'll get bigger clothes. I guess I'll, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I guess I'll get some mustache wax and, you know, I'll, I gotta still make the ends meet. And, um, you know, just it, it's like, what the fuck do I want to break a curse for? Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I'm a pig. I'll leave that to, you know, like, yeah, you know, we got a war going on. It's like, I'll leave that to you humans. I'm a pig. I, yeah. I, I was gonna say a lesser movie definitely focuses on breaking the curse or whatever. Yeah, and it's just like, nah, dude, I'm still a kick-ass pilot. Like, what do I need to be a human for? Yeah, and this movie, like, we don't even actually know. Like, we assume the curse is broken. It's kind of hinted at, but they never like. They don't go out of their way to do it. It's not an issue. It's a it's a non-issue. The movie is about 
Marco learning to accept love. Yeah. Gino and, wants to love like super bad. Not just, you know And Theo too and, and Theo, yeah. And all of his friends, like yeah. you know, the the engineer, yeah, all, all of his friends want to love him, and he's trying to like push, not necessarily push people away, but like something in him just won't let him accept it. Yeah, he will. He can't accept the love pig, that he's man. being given. And not even like actively push it away. He just doesn't. It's like he, he his acknowledges... mailbox is just full. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, he he acknowledges is... that people are trying to give it to him, and he kind of is like, thank you. For like yeah. acknowledging me in this way. Fucking Fierro, oh my god, dude. Like when he comes to him in the movie theater, he's like, dude, what are you fucking doing in Italy? And it's just like <laughs> and he's just like, Man, I'm chilling, dog. Whatever. It's, you know, and you got I, the fucking Italy. If I, yeah. If I die, I die. Like if I die. Like, bro, what are you saying right now? People fucking love you, asshole. Like <laughs> Gina's buried three husbands all right trying to trying to chase down what you guys had because like okay i have i have a feeling i'm not i'm not supposed to talk about this on the pod but when they have that flashback sequence of them flying together of of little gina and little marco flying together bro my my dad just very quietly went oh it's a love story (laughs) and like holy shit it's so cute and i yeah and like clearly he never noticed and that's the problem and he believed that he deserved to die but he didn't and that's the problem and like yeah yeah it's not like yeah it does sneak up on you it's like hey here's this cool ass kick-ass pig he you know can do amazing things in an airplane and uh and then meanwhile, there's this, there's this woman who loves the shit out of him, and all of his friends love him too. And the, meanwhile, you know, it's like, <laughs> but like, it's just like smooth line delivery. Like the story is told in the dialogue. It's not like heavy-handed and whomping you upside the head. Like you know, because when again we get the message that you know this is her. Like when she tells him like they found or you know that they like finally declared him dead, and then it's like, you know, we get the feeling that they're close. But we don't get the feeling that she's in love with him just yet, you know. And it's just like, yeah, it's her husband, you know. She's been oh, waiting please. for him in the garden every day. She's been waiting since they were children. Garden, and I don't normally go for that sappy shit because I, you know, I do push-ups in my garage and I lift my weights and I eat red right. meat and I eat yeah, jerky, you know. But like yeah, you're, you're some real secret man. garden shit. <laughs> With, with and, no and time it's, for it's big strong almost, man feelings, I know. Right, I don't have time for that, you know. But just like Gina's, like at first, like at first sight, like the Gina's uh, woman in waiting trope is kind of tired, and then it's like, no, wait a minute, like oh, shit. Sometimes you do just kind of pass the time with other people but until also, somebody like, else comes, you know. She didn't wait. Like, yeah, that's what I like about her. Oh, Gina, Gina fucks. <laughs> Like you know, Gina, <laughs> Gina yeah. went like she gets it in. Gina's you know, man. I'm getting the sense that this isn't going to happen for me right now. That yeah. doesn't mean I have to sit here yeah. and like say, oh, Gina fucks or whatever. But like, I, I, I mean, like so in the figurative, spe- in the figurative, refreshing to have a woman character that isn't like a trophy or a pedestal or like a place and they want her to be so bad yeah they want her to be that trophy so bad 
but like that's like the villain of the story is the one who wants that. Yeah. 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 And speaking of Curtis. <laughs> oh my my man. <laughs> I oh, love shit. this this line that he delivers almost makes you forget like what he's actually saying. Right after, you know, uh, 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 Porco flies over the garden. I'm back, baby. Flies over the garden. And Curtis says, I thought he was dead. Not just, I thought he was dead. He was really saying, I thought I killed him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought I fucking killed my rival. What is he doing here? Like, dog, you just admitted to murder, dog. Do anything for love, bro. Like I think that he may be one of my favorite Ghibli villains as well because like he's 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 not supposed to be likable, but he is charming. Yeah, no, he he's (laughs) got the charisma. Yeah. He's he's like going places. Yeah, he he's he's got aspirations to be president, you know, and like (laughs) that shit was so funny, bro. I'm gonna be president. I'm going, you know, I, I'm I'm a celebrity after after what I believe I killed Porco Rosso. Uh, then um, after you know, I it, murdered it, this man, it's the perfect time. Man, now it's gonna launch my film career, and then after that, I'll be president. Don't you want to be first lady? Being of the mo- the movie career, did you guys? I know you did. Did you guys see the movie poster that that he was in? Yes, yeah, like. It's the T-Rex. <laughs> classic, classic movie. I bet it I bet it is. I would watch it. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Check it out. I, I'd watch a guy who thought he killed somebody. I feel like his thought process was like, a pig is not a somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if we was making sure, bacon was a, a crazy like a, a crazy crazy racist mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man yeah definitely this Talk- movie was just such a s- surprise it was for me the first time i watched it. i was like hold on this is at that point in time the only place we could find ghibli films were the library right and it was there and i was like eh. Do I want to watch a movie about a flying pig just yet? or do It I looks to... stupid. It looks like it should be stupid. It, it looks like it should be. A, I hate to be that person. He's got fucking sunglasses on the whole time. But like, it yes. looks like if the, the joke is like, is this a good movie? Yeah, when pigs fly. Like, it's yeah, like exactly. such bullshit. Yeah. And then it's like. This emotional like, tour de force about accepting uh, love and being true to yourself in the face of an oncoming fascist regime? Like, what the fuck? Like, but also, it is a, a movie pig. about a pig that can fly a plane? Hey, when pigs fly, hey. Rather like, be a pig than to be a fascist. Fuck. And he was like, oh, that's fair. I guess I'll get out of here. And I guess I'll help yeah, you get out of the country. Guess I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> um, like it's it's such a it it has no right being this like tour de force about like l- uh, accepting love and fascism and identity and like what is humanity. It should be a ninety three minute long movie about a flying pig, but it it's like. <laughs> 
self-acceptance, women empowerment. Like, but like the curse, <laughs> the curse. Women came in there and built the plane. Right, but like also that woman owns that hotel. Right. Oh yeah, she balling. Yeah. Yeah, like oh my God. there, there's for sure like a moment where I was like, oh, I don't think he's actually a pig. Right. I think it, this is straight up like some weird. He just believes that he is uh, so disgusting like that he is a pig. a pig. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Like You thought like it, they were showing us a pig and then it was just like... Well, no, that like Marco's just a guy, but yeah. he thinks so so lowly of himself that like the the kind of... I don't know exactly how to describe it, but like the air around him is like, oh, he he's a pig. Yeah. Like... And I think, again, a lesser movie tries to, like, explain that at some point. And it's like, nah, we don't need it. We don't need it. No, as need someone it. who's trying to get several people in my life to accept the love that they deserve, this movie is about to become a teaching tool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, this is about to be me, like, sitting down with a bunch of my friends and being like, hi, I know you think you ain't worth shit. But we're going to watch a movie about a flying pig who hates Nazis, and it's going to make you feel better. Nice. Yeah, blubbering mess by the end of it. Any other lines for anybody else? Because I love I love Mr. Piccolo just taxing this fool constantly. <laughs> like, you got to get it how you live, my guy. Yeah. That was nice. I'll give you six months. I was going to say Piccolo, friends. too. Don't touch her. Don't worry, just looking at her makes me tired. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> bro. I was like, oh my god, relatable content, bro. Like, bro. It's like stress, best, bro. That's what I say all the time. A pig who can't fly is just a pig. It's just a pig. <laughs> it's like, what else are you gonna do? Just a pig. Yeah. Oh god. I also like at one point the pirates with the little girls are like, so we're taking all 15 of them? They're like, we can't separate them we from can't their separate. friends. God, there we go again. They're not even villains. They're just people with different motivations. It was like pirate. Normally, you know, just the the, the, the connotation of, you know, pirate automatically. Yeah, oh, villain. All right. But, but yeah, again, these guys are just like, you know, they're flying in there. They just, they, they're trying to get it how they live. Like, they just... You know, it's like they you saw the guy's plane. He's like, he can't they can't even paint their plane. And he's like, I can't battle Porco because it's like my engine sucks. Like I can't battle him, but it's just like it wouldn't even matter. The engine wouldn't matter. You'd lose. You get smoked. It wouldn't matter. So fucking yeah. Mess. Yeah. And and you know, the, just like how the whole thing just falls off the rails at the end. It just completely falls apart, and they're just like punching each other waist deep in water <laughs> for <laughs> hours <laughs> yeah. it's just like i like that it shows like the stupidity of toxic masculinity and one of them is literally a pig yeah <laughs> the other is a racist from america <laughs> <laughs> yo they stuck the land and they really did bro it, God damn it even now, like on IMDb, the reviews are not great. The the letterbox reviews are okay, and I feel like like everybody has let Michael Keaton pig down, and I like yeah no it's literally do underrated. It, do Michael it for Keaton Michael pig. Keaton pig. Like yeah. what? Michael what, Keaton pig. <laughs> what are y'all doing? This movie slaps, and like. 
Uh, well, what are they? What are they saying negative about it? I don't know, but it's or like. are they spirit, just saying? Spirited like, Away is like 9.6, and this yeah. is like seven. And I do not think it's that much. Like that disparity is too much for me. Yeah. Uh, I I, I think that this like I like Spirited Away a lot. I acknowledge that it is a masterpiece. I don't think I've ever enjoyed watching it as much as I just honestly enjoyed Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso also doesn't lay as much of it at your feet. Like, people also don't completely 100% get spirited away as much as they think they do. Or as much as they will say they do. Because they don't want to sound dumb. Right. They won an Academy Award, for God's sake. So, yeah, and it's... Shit happens in it, and you're like, I need to watch this again. It's but, also like, a movie that's look been dumb. film schooled to death, exactly. I think. Yeah, so you don't want to feel dumb by saying that it wasn't, like, super great. And then, you know, the 15 people, you know, including the three of us who've watched Porco Rosso, who are like, no, no, this shit is great. And we're not watching it for pretentious reasons. We're actually just trying to watch a film that's enjoyable. And it's, again, Miyazaki makes movies for people who want to just enjoy some shit. Yeah. And it's just like, here... I've made, I've, I've done this. We've done this for you. So many people work so many long hours and yeah. this is the best I could do. I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. Please tell me how you enjoyed the film later. Follow cat at cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at show and mad love S H O W I N M A D L O V on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Marks and join our We Should Do This Again Sometime Facebook group. Be sure to read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and the Mark Rob, T H E M A R C R O B dot WordPress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. Cheer. This, this is, is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? 